lesson. There's a 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, kind of goes, goes with what we're talking about on Sunday night. How many knows we are living in the last days? The last of the last days. There's every once in a while there is a scripture that you read and that you study uh, that just has a, a lot of uh, information in it. And uh, 2 Timothy, the whole chapter, and all of chapter 3, I'm hoping we're going to get through this. We've got some good stuff. We're going, we got some good stuff to go share tonight. I always get a lot of good stuff, sometimes just before class. Uh, uh, Dottie and Gary's here tonight. They bought me a special gift for Christmas that I'm going to I'm gonna bring it next Wednesday and, uh, and show you that the pastor is always prepared for any kind of, of uh, problem that might happen on a Wednesday or Sunday. Uh, you get a lot of good gifts on Christmas, and they got me a good one. I want to share it with you guys next Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> Um, they're going to give me the rest of it this next Christmas. <laughs> so now you're wondering what that is. Next Wednesday, I'll, I'll show you what it is, okay? <laughs> Second Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, the very, now when you read a scripture, sometimes... Some, I don't know, some, if, sometimes you read a scripture and it's just reading or whatever, but then sometimes things jump out at you. First three words, okay, what are they? All right, does that say anything to you? What, what does it say to you? What, what does it say anything to you? All right, it's going to happen. Who, whose responsibility is, we have a responsibility, but know this. Okay, a lot, the problem is a lot of people don't know. A lot of Christian people don't know. Okay, but Paul is saying to them, but you know this. We are given the responsibility to know these things. Why are we given the responsibility to know it? See, here, here's the thing. All right, so, so I read stuff, I know stuff. All right, that's all well and good. Then, then what's the responsibility? So what? To pass it on? Okay, okay, to pass it on. But you know this. Believers, you have been given the responsibility to know this. Now, knowing something does, now it'll bless you. But when God reveals something to you, it's not just for you alone, is it? It's not, you know, you have a responsibility when you learn something. So no. Notice the next, I want you to write this in. We are watchmen. Put Isaiah chapter 62, if you can get it up there, Butch. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace. Day or night. Now, what was, anybody's familiar, how many, we got some Bible students in. What, is, what was a watchman's job? Cain, real loud. He was a guard, wasn't he? He was on the wall, and his job was to watch and make sure the approach of any, to alert the city. What I mean, a lot of things. It's his responsibility to be up there on guard watching, and his responsibility was to alert the rest of the community so they were not caught unaware. Okay? So I have set watchmen on your walls, old Jerusalem. They... Uh, they shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make you who make mention of the Lord do not what? 
you who make mention of the Lord, what? Do what? Our world is trying to keep you silent as they can. They want to kick you out of public schools, and they have done that. It's all right for them to preach their religion in school, but it's not all right. They want you to keep silent. But the scripture says, don't keep silent. You don't have to keep silent. You're a watchman. God has called you to be a watchman. We are to keep watch. Now notice this. We are to keep watch and warn of impending danger. Now, I want, I, you, I, want to get, I want you to go do something. I want you to go to Revelation. I know I put Ezekiel up there, and they can read that. They can read that when they, when they get a chance. But Revelation chapter 3, because I, I, I want to show you that it's not just an Old Testament. Your call and my call to be a watchman is not just an Old Testament responsibility. But let me bring you current with New Testament. Revelation chapter 3, and let's read verses 2 and 3. If you get Revelation chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Now, he is, who is he writing to? Does anybody know? How many knows what first three chapters of the book of Revelation is written to what? Churches. Any churches here tonight? Written to us, okay? Written to their church. Be what? Watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, what? If you will not, what? Watch, what's he going to do? I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. In other words, I, Jesus is going to come the second time as a thief in the night, and, and he's going to come back for people who are what? Watching. He has called us to be watchmen. Watch. The, all throughout the New Testament, he's telling people, watch, be alert, be on guard. Paul told the Corinthian church and told Timothy, watch, be on guard. Hold fast. You know, it, there was a constant reminding and, and it, it, you know, challenging people of the of church, watch, don't go to sleep. Uh, watch, you know, stay awake, don't go to sleep because if you, you know, I, I'm going to come as a thief. I, uh, how many... How many's been robbed lately? The reason you're robbed is you didn't know when it's coming. Right. Out here outside of town, I dropped that guy off, a big old hole in his fence. I said, a car ran through your fence, huh? And he said, yeah, the house down the street got robbed and getting away, they ran through the field, ran their cars through the fence and stuff. I'm thinking, you know, when you get robbed, you don't know they're coming. And the church, those people that are in the church that are asleep, the, the promise is if you don't watch, if you don't strengthen the things in your life that I've told you to strengthen, I'm going to come as a thief, and you, I'm going to come in an hour that, you don't know, that you're not thinking about it. That's, an, that's, that's kind of tough, isn't it? But he is telling us, he has called us to be watchmen. Notice, in the last days we are to discern the seasons. We are to be watchful. We are to discern the seasons. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know the seasons because we can see them. We see the signs, and we're going to talk about that tonight, all right? Notice it says, it's going to be in perilous times, in perilous times, dangerous times. Put dangerous in that little open spot there, because that's what perilous means. It, it means dangerous times, times of stress. There, it's going to be the times that your faith is going to be challenged, times that, you, you know, there's going to be great difficult. The one translation says there's going to be difficult times. So, 
Uh, but know that in the last days, perilous times, difficult times, dangerous times. Now notice, what some tra- how many translations do you have says shall come? Anybody have your Bibles here tonight? I know we depend on the electronics. Some translations say will come. Some translations say shall come. Now get this. I don't care how much you pray, it's not going to stop it. But know this, in the last days, in the last of the last days, dangerous, difficult, stressful times are going to come. They shall come. They're going to they're come. No matter how much you pray, it's not going to stop it. They're going to come. And knowing this, you need to be prepared for that. And, and, and we're going to get into that in just a few moments. So it's not something you can stop with prayer. Then Paul begins to describe Last day society problems. Now, we're going to go through these. Second Timothy chapter 3, I think it starts around what? Verse uh, 2. Okay. Now let's go. Let's go. For men shall be what? All right. So put that in there. Are right, the first trait of, of the last day, the last of the last day society, that men will be lovers of themselves. Now, that, that's not talking about homosexuality. Okay. Not in this particular part here. People are going to be self-centered. It's going to be, how many's heard of the me generation? It's all about me. In fact, they even sing a song. It's all about me. It's all about me. Have it your way. You know, even the hamburger joints think, you know, you need, you deserve a break today. Right? You have it your way. It's all about you. Look at the titles of the magazines. Self. You know, I mean, it's all about, you know, taking care of your image and what it's all, it's all about you. And we have, and that's, you know, it, can, would that describe our society today? Hmm. Now, I'm not talking about having a, a, a good self-image. I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not talking about if you're a, a secure person. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who is living for self, okay? No, what's the second one? Lovers of what? I think some translations will say covetousness. I'm wondering, would the rise in gambling, could it be traced or linked to the love of money? Could the rise in the casinos and all that stuff across America, throughout the states, could that be traced back to people's love for money? They think that money is going to answer, if I can just get some money, it's going to answer all of my problems. Some people think if I can just win that money, it's going to, no, it won't. It's going to create, if you don't know how to, I'm telling you what, if you don't know how to control yourself and handle yourself first, money would destroy you. Because first of all, you wouldn't know how to handle because you can't handle yourself. And uh, so, it, it, you know, it can be traced back. Oklahoma now is the largest gambling state in the, in the United States, even ahead of Las Vegas, even ahead of Nevada, Oklahoma. Who would have thought? It's the Bible Belt. It's the buckle of the belt. And it's the highest per capita gambling state in the union is Oklahoma. Now, what's, so what's the third one? Boasters. You know how you can tell if you're around somebody that's eat up with themselves? That's all they want to talk about. The only time you can get a word in edgewise is when they take a breath. <gasps> then jump in. 
You don't have to be around somebody long before you get, you're sure that, I mean, they're caught up with themselves. It, it, it won't take you long to know that they have a problem. Boasters. What, no, so what's the third one? Proud. How many know that that's the, enemy, that's the devil's problem? Lifted up in pride. Blasphemers. Blasphemers. What's the next one? Disobedient to what? Are we having a problem? wonder why that is. Now, he's describing last day signs. What's the next one? Unthankful, ungrateful. Ever been around somebody that's ungrateful for what they have? You know, ungrateful, I, I mean, nothing, you know, it's just, you know, I, ungrateful. I, I'm persuaded, I heard Brother Higgins preach a message a long time ago, I never forgot it. Until you can be thankful for what you already have, doubtful if God's going to give you anything else. If you can't be thankful, and he used the illustration, if you can't be thankful for the old 55 Chevy you're driving, you're probably not going to be thankful if you're driving a new one. Be thankful for what you already have. It'll go a long ways in opening the, opening the door up for you to receiving more. Okay? Unholy. Number eight. Nine. Without natural affection. Now you can, without, we're living in a world that, that without natural affection. We don't have to go into that, do we? Number 10, truce breakers, covenant breakers. I take you. Which one are you? I take you this time for sure. At least three weeks. Four weeks, maybe. I mean, you understand? Covenant breakers, truce breakers. 50% uh, of all marriages in America end in divorce, and it also the same statistics in the church. Um, I don't want to have to go any more, but uh, truce breakers, covenant breakers. Um, when you go to borrow money, how many papers do you sign? A, a direct TV guy came out today, and I signed like three or four different papers on something that I own already. What is this all about? You know, I don't know why I had to sign so many different receipts and papers. All he did was fix my dish, and it was, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. I don't know, you know, you, you sign and sign and sign. Why did they do that? Because the first thing they want to do today, I'm telling you what, bumper sticker on the back of somebody's car. Have you sued somebody lately? I thought, no, but give me an opportunity. <laughs> you know, looking for a way to uh, get something for nothing. Number 11, false accusers. Number 12, without self-control. And some translations say incontinent, which means simply without self-control. 13 is fierce, brutal. Some translations say brutal. Number 14, despisers of those that are good. Uh, it's going to be interesting how the news media covers the presidential race, isn't it? It's going to be interesting to see how they portray those that, that uh, one of them is an ordained minister. It's going to be interesting to see if he can survive this. Fifteen, uh, a traitor. Sixteen, heady, headstrong. Seventeen, high-minded. 18, lovers of pleasure more than what? 
lovers of God. Is it wrong to, uh, to experience pleasure? Is it wrong to, uh, uh, to have that cabin at the lake? Is it wrong to, uh, you know, take your vacations? Is it wrong to have some of the good things of life? Is that wrong to do that? No, no. I think we're all squared away with that, it, don't we? Uh, but what makes it wrong? Okay, here, the, the key is lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You need to reverse that order. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing uh, must interfere with God being first in your life. I don't care what it is. It's, it's first of all, your number one priority is your relationship with God. And I don't care what it is, but, but, but pleasure, we are drowned, our world is drowning in pleasure. There's amusement parks and stuff all across the country where people are spending billions, literally billions of dollars going and seeking after pleasure. And they are leaving their relationship with God behind. Now, going to those places is not wrong, and don't, don't, under, don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight, but I'm saying there needs to, you need to have this thing balanced, and don't be loving that more than you love God, okay? Now, this, number 19, having a what? A godliness, but denying the power of that. What does that mean? Having a form of godliness, but denying that God, that God in your life it has, gives you the power to change. You see, we are, we are experiencing something in our, in our world that is very deceptive. And we are experiencing people, have you noticed that we're all religious? Everybody is religious. Everybody today is a Christian. Have you, do you, have you I mean, everybody in America is a Christian. And then he gets shot in the buck cops outside a strip joint. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking something's wrong with this picture. At least he got shot in the rear. I mean, national TV, he's tromping around and using God's name. And giving God, hey, God, give me the strength to make this. And then the next thing we learn, he's get packing guns and coming out of a strip joint and getting shot. Having a form of godliness, but denying, the denial is that there's no power in his life that's changing him. What's wrong with that bat? Oh, I must have got the wrong one. Oh, I don't know where that bat come from. All the way around the bases, man. <laughs> Who did it, God or the bat? It's corked. Well, it was my practice bat. I use that to knock them out of the park. I give the fans a thrill. Okay. 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. Now listen, put this in. You need to be careful with this. Religion is the most deceptive tool the enemy has to deceive people. Religion is the most deceptive tool that the enemy has or uses to deceive people. Matthew chapter 24, if you want to put it on the board, you can. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4. When asked about the last days, our Lord's first warning was this. Take heed that no man deceive you. Now religion, there is, there is people who claim to be Christians who are not. I think that's a deception. Those, those that are true believers don't have too much trouble um, recognizing them. But, but to the world, but to the world it gives off it gives off a wrong message, okay? And it's very deceptive because everybody, almost everybody today is a believer, so-called. But they're not a believer in the sense of what the Scripture says because if, if you are born again, there is a power working in you to change you. You can't, there's a power. And for you to say, I'm a Christian, and there's, there's not some changes taking place on the inside of your life and there's not a power working in your life to work around to change some issues in your life, if you can, if you can do some stuff that you know is wrong and it's not convicting you and, and you can do it without it bothering you, there's something wrong. You got connected to the wrong plug-in. Or else I did. Because when I do something wrong, he won't leave me alone. Get out of me alone. You know, I mean, you can't get away with it. I tried. You know, I mean, come on, let me be bad just a little while. You know what I mean? But you can't, the Holy Spirit will not, if you get plugged into the right plug, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to do stuff wrong. I guarantee you, when you do stuff wrong, the Holy Spirit's going to be like, I, you know that's wrong. I know it's wrong, but I like it. You know, he won't let you, he won't let you. Now listen, there is religious deception. There, there is, it, it is probably the main, here, somebody got this. It is a prayer rug. If you look into the eyes of Jesus, they'll open and look back at you. They got this in the mail. Did you get one of these? Now someone would say, you, you don't need to say anything bad about this. Don't give this stuff the time of day. They're wanting your money. Whenever somebody says, you send me $50 and I'll pray for you, you hang up, send that back to them, you come to the pastor and give me 50 and I'll pray for you. I mean, if you just want to buy a prayer, come on over here. I can do that. I'll line you guys up. I'll line you guys up. I'll have somebody taking money and names, and we will pray. What is that? But, you know, now, unfortunately, unfortunately, see, know this. Paul say, know, know this. You need to know this. Because there's deception, They're, and it's, gonna, it's not going to get better. And you need, to be, you need to be warned about this stuff. Now, am I against somebody? You know, I'm not against, you, you need to give you, pay your tithe. 
and you need to give in offerings. You plant seed in good ground. I'm not against you giving offerings to good ministries. You need to know if they're a good ministry. That's your responsibility. If you give to a crook, shame on you. You'll get no reward for that. Why? Because you're supposed to have known. You check it out. You call them up. See what they do. See how much of the money you give gets to whatever they're supposed to be giving it to. Don't give to nobody that you, that, that you don't know what their ministry is all about. Now, do I, do I send offerings to ministries? Absolutely. We support ministries. I support ministries that, that I know are legitimate. But you send your money uh, to people uh, as the Holy Spirit directs you to. Not because they coerced you and sent you a picture of Jesus and said, if you look strong enough, he'll open his eyes at you. Long enough for me, I'll look back at you. It grind now. What well, the reason this grinds on me is because I'm your pastor, and I hate it when somebody tries to merchandise you. It grinds me to powder. And unfortunately, not everybody on TV is Christian. Okay, can we talk? Not everybody on TV is Christian, and you need to check them out. And some of them merchandise you to get your money. If they want to pray for you, they'll do it without charging you. If they really love you and they're concerned about you, if you never send them an offering, it shouldn't make any difference to them, let them pray for you. But if they, if they don't get back to you, if you haven't sent them an offering and they don't get back to you, let maybe the little light come on. Maybe there's only after my money. Okay, is this okay? And after they get three beach houses and an airplane and a jet, and, and two homes and a vacation home in the mountains. You can only live in one house at a time. Can we talk? Can we talk? All right. You have to be careful. Okay. Boy, I probably get some. Don't write me a letter, okay? I, don't write me a letter. God, I get letters. <laughs> get this. Are we up there? And Jesus answered and said to them. Now, He's answering this question. What shall take place and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And this is his first answer to him. Take heed that what? No one deceives you. That was his first warning before he said anything else. Why? Because he knew how, how, how deceptive people and things are. How, how can you be sure? You, you have your Bible. Get into your Bible. God's giving you it, and we'll talk about that. The church, now get this, the church is the most important element in the world today. The church, the true church is the most important element in the world today. Why do I say that? As the church goes, so goes the world. If the true, when the true church, really, now what is it, what Matthew chapter, what do you say? You are the salt of the earth. Who's he talking to? Talking to the believer. What are you? you? are the salt of the earth. Salt is a preservative. Salt, salt is a seasoning. Uh, when salt makes contact, there are things that takes place. So he is saying to the church, the church, and when the church gets back, I think when the true church begins to rise up and be the church and quit being silent and, and start you know, putting wheels and, and, and uh, steps to their prayers, then we're going to start making changes in our society. But the salt must make contact. As long as it's in the shaker, it looks like salt. It smells like salt. 
But until you shake it on your salad or whatever you're eating, you're not going to taste it. It has to get out of the salt shaker. It has, to get, it has to be effective. It has to make contact. And that's what the church has to do. We can't keep silent. We've got to make contact. What, so what happens when the salt loses flavor? It loses its effectiveness. But listen, salt has one last thing. It, it is capable of doing one last thing after it's lost its flavor. It has the capacity to kill. And that's what happens to a believer that loses its savor. A believer that loses their saltiness. The scripture says they're, they're good for nothing but yet to be, just to be cast out and trampled under the feet of men. What was that analogy of? On the Roman roads, they would, they would scatter the salt on the roads to kill the weeds. So salt, after it lost its flavor... It would be scattered along the roadside to keep the roadside clean. It had the capacity to still kill. And sometimes that's what happens to believers when they lose their effectiveness. They have the capacity to start killing each other. Instead of doing what they're supposed to be doing for Jesus, they start attacking each other. And they start doing things they should not do. They've lost their effectiveness. And they have the, still have the capacity to kill. Notice, you're the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. What happens when the light starts to dim? Darkness begins to creep in. So it's important. The church is the most important element of the world. Now notice, is Paul describing tomorrow's world or is he describing today's world? Is he describing today's world? How many agrees? Is he describing our society? Now, if that be the case, now if that be the case, know this, if that is the case, then there, we need to understand something. How should we then live? If that is the case, if we believe in all, with all of our heart that Paul is describing this, the things that we have in our society, and if we know that it is the last of the last days, then how should we live? Now, remember how the chapter started. Know this. I want you to know this. Get this in your heart. Two laws to remember. Number one, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? All, and there, here's two laws I want to leave with you. If you're, if you're going to make a stand for the Lord, I guarantee you there's going to be members of your family that's not going to understand. Now, we might not be persecuted like maybe on a foreign field, but I guarantee you there's going to be people that won't understand your commitment. There'll be members of your family that'll think you're weird. Well, you, you don't have to be that committed. You know, how many times have you heard, oh, you don't have to be that strict, or you don't have to be that, you know. They don't understand. They don't understand. So expect that from your, the people that uh, was your friends, or, or maybe your friends, they don't understand. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be people that won't want you around. You're not going to be the life of the party anymore. I mean, so, so listen, here is a law that is unbreakable, that if you commit to the Lord, you're going to suffer some stuff. Okay, when you, start, when you start walking against the flow, you're going to suffer some stuff. But here's the second law, and you're going to choose which one you're going to go with. You're either going to be on the persecuted side, or what, what's going to happen to the evil men? Is it going to get better? What's verse 13 say? But evil men and impostors will what? Now, you're going to decide which one you're going to do. You, know, you can get on the other side, but it's going to be what? Worse and worse. Now, if that's where we want to go, I mean, that, that choice is open to us. 
but I, I want to choose on the other side, all right? The good news is found in verse 11. Now, put verse 11 up there. Persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at uh, Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured? Now, notice this. And out of some of them, what? And out of all of them, Lord, deliver me. Listen, though you may go through some stuff, what's God going to do? What's his ministry to you? All of them. I'm telling you, God's going to be there with you. He's going to deliver you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers out of them all. Okay, so that's the good news. So when you choose the right way, God's going to give you the strength to, to be an overcomer, okay? So what are we to do? Verse 14 and 15. Put 14 up there. But you must what? Here's what we're going to do, all right? We're going to continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. Now, underline, if you have your Bible, you need to underline that word assured. So notice the deceptions all around. What's going to keep you anchored? You just begin, you just stay living in those things you're assured of. If you hear something new, just take it, put it in your pocket, take it home, start reading about it, studying about it, praying about it, asking about it. The key is you live with the things in this book that you are assured of. Things that you have learned from, from uh, faithful people and thing, thing, things that you had got down in your spirit. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And I want to ask you a question. Are you safe to follow? Now you've learned some stuff from faithful men, and, you, and you're living your life by things that you are sure of. But there's somebody coming up behind you. And I'm asking you the question, are you safe to follow? Are you, are, you, are you giving those things off to those people that are following you that you are assured of? Are, are you assured enough about them that you can plant them in somebody else's life? What are you planting in the people's lives that are following behind you? Are you safe to follow? If they follow the lifestyle that you are following them, are you going to get them to heaven? If you continue in those things, if those people coming behind you pattern their life after you, are they going to get to heaven? Well, that's tough, isn't it? That's tough. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Your children are watching you. Are you safe to follow? Are you making the decisions? Are you walking in the things that you're assured of? You walk into the pattern that God has marked up for you. Somebody's going to be following you, pattern their life. You know, I had that satellite dish and that, that wind, that windstorm here a couple of days ago, blew that thing off. So I got out there and I tried to wiggle that thing myself. I made that TV go all kinds of goofy. I thought, you know, it's kind of like a flashback in the old days. Is it, is it right now? You know, like mama's in the window, you know, I'm turning the antenna. Well, a satellite dish is a lot different than the antenna. I mean, that, how far is that satellite out there? I don't know how far that, how far is that satellite out there? 110 miles. Okay, 110 miles. I'm turning this satellite dish. Pete was helping me. Well, where's Pete at? Pete was, he was in the house. I said, okay, you see anything now? <laughs> had my radio, had the old portable radio on speaker. Like, see anything now? But uh, I got it where the TV, one of the TVs, was getting it pretty good, but the other one, the new one, I forget that. 
had the satellite dish off. Now, in 110 miles, if I'm five degrees off, at 110 miles out, that's quite a ways off, isn't it? I just didn't have the stuff to get it tuned back in. Listen, are you following? If somebody's following you, are you going to help them hit the mark? Are they going to get to the right destination by patterning their life after you? Just something to think about. If you're just one degree off, 110 miles makes a lot of difference. I want to close with this. You do not really believe something until you practice it. You don't really believe something until you start practicing it. Uh, if you want to know where to go for the scriptural reference of that, you just read the book of James. James says, you show me a man of faith, I'll show you a man of works. I mean, he kind of, he's just kind of cut and dried. That's the way James is. And he just kind of strips us all down. But bottom line is, if we really believe something, we'll practice it. We'll practice it. Are you safe to follow? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's for teaching, for reproof. That word reproof means conviction. It's for correction. It's for instruction. It's instructing us about right behavior. That's what scriptures are all about. Every once in a while, you just have to let the word of God get you just correct you. I mean, nothing wrong. How many have ever been corrected in your past by your mom and dad or anybody? I mean, sometimes it's not easy to do. It's kind of painful to make those changes, but how many knows we'll be better off for it? That's what the word of God is for. Get into the word of God. And 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 let it let it get into your spirit. Okay. Any questions before we quit? <laughs>